Hello everyone, I'm so glad to be back with you again today. And you might remember as we were together last time, we had gone back once again into the foundation in Genesis. And there we had seen that the man is indeed made up of three parts, a three part being. And this was borne out for us, proved to us by just comparing scripture with scripture. First Thessalonians 5.23 makes this very clear. Now may the Lord God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, and because grammatically here we would have to see this as your whole soul and your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to re-emphasize once again and to make sure we are clear about this, man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul and body. And we had seen from the scripture in Genesis that not only does God make man in his image, he creates man for a specifically stated purpose. Let them have dominion, literally let them rule over. And that God used the plural pronoun them points to the fact that in order to fulfill the purpose for his creation, the man needed a helper comparable to him. Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone I will make him a helper comparable to him. And this, of course, gives us the type to be fulfilled in the antitype by Christ and his bride. And this is just something that you just have to settle in our understanding and our thinking, just something we have to accept by faith that God has determined because of how it's set out here in the foundation, that the Lord Jesus Christ to rule within his millennial kingdom must have a bride, must have a wife to be with him, because it's not good that the man should be alone. And of course, the nation of Israel upon the earth cannot rule apart from having a husband, God the Father. And these things are completely immovable because of what's set in the foundation in Genesis. And we might remember that uh, at the beginning of Genesis, the condition the man and the woman were found in at this time is described as being naked, but not ashamed. And we might remember this, I hope, that um, the Hebrew word for naked that's used here before the fall is a word arom. And it doesn't mean to be totally naked. It means having a covering such as an inner garment, like having on our underwear, we could say it that way, um, but not having on a mantle, a cloak, the outer garment. And if we think about our underwear and not having the clothes that we would go out in the street in, this would be a good way to understand that word. But then after the fall, we find that an entirely different Hebrew word is used for naked. It's the Hebrew word irom, which means totally naked. So before the fall, they were not totally naked. They had a covering. But after the fall, they were totally naked. They had no covering. Well, before the fall, the man and the woman were covered with the glory of God, having been created in his likeness, but did not have those royal robes of rulership. These could only have been granted once man had proven himself worthy. And there is a biblical principle of rulership that says an incumbent ruler will only be replaced regardless of his wickedness when the one to replace him is present and proven worthy. And Saul and David are our picture for this. And we'll realize just how 
wicked and miserable that Saul was, and he was king over Israel. And while Saul was still king, David was anointed king as well to replace Saul. But Saul continued to reign. He wasn't removed until God removed him. And this provides us with that foundational picture uh, for Satan and the Christ. Satan, the original earth's ruler, disqualified to rule because of his rebellion. Christ anointed to be king in his place, and yet not now, because Satan has not yet been removed and will only be removed in God's timing. And as we would see with Saul and David, all of those who were dissatisfied in Saul's kingdom gathered themselves to David at the cave of Adullam, and they waited. They waited for the time when God would remove Saul, place David on the throne, and those with him would rule along with him in the earthly kingdom. And such is the picture for us. Christ now is in those heavenly places. We are to align ourselves with him and to wait. And we wait for the time when God will remove Satan from the throne, place his Christ upon the throne in Satan's place, and that we will assume those positions of rulership with him. Scripture is very clear. It's very plain, very simple to understand. Well, if we go back to um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Well, we can see then what God said would happen to them if they ate from that tree. You will surely die. Well, please note, that their entering into sin had a consequence, and this consequence adversely affected the purpose for their creation. They were now totally naked. They no longer had the covering of glory. And without that, they could not wear the robes of dominion, which meant they could not rule over the earth as God had intended in that condition. And let's please remember that it was the woman who was deceived but the man, Adam, knew exactly what he was doing. And we've seen that he has been described to us as a type of Christ, Romans 5.14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So Adam then, knowingly, deliberately, intentionally, took his wife's sin upon himself, looking to redemption for both her and him. And through this, we can see through the typology, this is exactly what Christ did. Christ became sin for us, took our sin for that same purpose, that we should be redeemed in order to be able to rule. And so it's so important that we see and understand this and know this, Adam, as a type of Christ, he intentionally did what he did, looking to his wife's redemption. And that's exactly what Christ has done for us. So we see then in the scripture in Genesis chapter 2 that the day they ate of that fruit, they would surely die. So what did die? What happened? Because obviously in that 24-hour day, neither Adam nor the woman died a physical death. Well, as we've already said, 
Their sin also had a consequence for all three parts of their being. The man and the woman, as a whole being, body, soul and spirit, was now under a death sentence. They became spiritually dead, separated from God's purpose. Their soul became corrupted. They now had a sin nature. And from that moment onwards, their bodies started to decay and would eventually experience physical death. Well, eternal separation from God's purpose for their creation was then what awaited them. And not them only, of course. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. A death sentence was passed on Adam and the woman and on all who would be born subsequently in Adam's likeness. Hebrews 9.27, and as it is appointed for men once to die. So something would need to happen then. If mankind, all human beings born from Adam onwards, were ever to be free from that sentence of death and be free from the sentence of death, he would have to be in order to attain the position God had intended for him so as to be able to fulfill the purpose for his creation. And that something is God's plan of salvation, a plan which he had set in place before time began to deal with the death sentence, the eternal separation. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the place that we need to begin in our understanding of what must happen in this plan is again at the beginning of Genesis. Genesis chapter one, verse two. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Well, here we find God's creation in a ruined condition, just as the man and the woman were in a ruined condition, completely unable to do anything itself to get out of that condition, just as the man and the woman couldn't do anything themselves. We might remember their attempt through the fig leaves, which didn't work out for them at all. So, in order to bring his material creation out of ruin, God must act entirely of himself, which is just what we see in Genesis chapter 1, beginning verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And here another one of those foundational principles. If man is to be brought out of his ruined condition, there must be a sovereign act of God entirely of himself to make that possible. Well, of course, that's exactly what we're going to see as we continue to study. But that will have to wait until next time, though. But only, of course, if the Lord is willing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it so much. God bless you.